And once you get in with those guys and you get the proper brewing equipment, then yeah, instead of making yourself a pizza pie, you make yourself a Trimbaloni sandwich. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the next episode of Drugs and Stuff. Vigorous Steve sits in for Dave. Dave will be back next week. I just talked to him this morning. He's doing good. But you guys had left us a bunch of listener questions. So Steve and I are going to tackle them today. If you're new to our content, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. This show comes out every Monday. and We have several other bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week featuring IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. We're all here to help you do better at the sport that we love. Uh, stay safe. Have fun. Because God, bodybuilding's got to be fun. Or we're not going to be able to keep it in our lives. And, uh, you know, help you get through your work day or whatever else you're doing. This week, not feeling that same crazy libido that we felt on our first cycles. In what sports do we personally see the most PED use in? Steve shares some thoughts on GLP-1 agonists. Home brewing, is it worth it? Injection pain from Primo. Plus, we talk some about carry oils and a bunch more. Hope you guys are having a great start to your week. Let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crump. With Dave's not with us, guys. I'm hanging out with Vigorous Steve. He's filling in for Dave. Dave will be back. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for additional savings, high-quality third-party tested supplements from a company you can trust, uh, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians, Strom Sports Nutrition for those of you in the UK, lots of great health and performance supplements. Of course, Patreon. Thank you guys, everybody who supports us on Patreon. And last but not least, we'll still give a plug to Eval. Go to evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave. Steve, thanks for filling in, man. I appreciate it, brother. Anytime. And I'm a kind of guy that likes drugs and stuff too. So I'm always happy to join in and fill in for Dave when he's uh, too busy to join in himself. So here we are. Yes. Let's get started. Yes. So, yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff going on. But that said, uh, as I always mention, if you guys want to take part in the next show, then comment below because we'll take your questions on the next episode. So I said that last week. We got all these questions and we didn't have Dave. So I could have done it by myself. I could have done it just with Christmas cabbage. As a matter of fact, let me give him a little... Christmas cabbage. He's, he's with me for one more day and then he has to go back to Dave's house for vacation. So after that, he leaves. Uh, really? How do you do it like an express uh, shipment in a, in a box? Uh, no, little, he uh, first, first class, business class at the very least. Uh, oh, wow. He flies in style. Absolutely. Um, so and that's where uh, the Patreon money is going. Yeah, to. <laughs> we need it just to fly Christmas cabbage <laughs> yeah. around and pay his salary. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. VIP clients. So, guys, uh, also stay tuned in the future because we're going to be doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, we'll be hanging out with Steve live uh, out at the Olympia. Yeah. That's going to be a blast. You're leaving in just a few days now, aren't you? Yeah, just a few days. So I'll leave next week, Monday, and then I go to L.A. first because I got a, of course, obligatory Disneyland trip. Yeah, Maybe do a Venice, Venice Beach and Gold's Gym. Yeah. See what that uh, that is all about. And then I'll fly to Vegas and then I have, what, 10, 12 days there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll look forward to the crazy stuff. One of the things I'm going to ask you about is like what your impressions were, you know, first time being in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So you could start thinking about that now. That'll be that'll be like one of our podcast questions when we meet up in Vegas. I think I have major, major culture shock. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure it'll be good. It'll be good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Should be fun. Everybody's so big here. Yeah. Because <laughs> in Asia, like in Thailand, everybody's tiny, you know, until I go to the gym and then I'm and then I'm still one of the bigger guys. Yeah. 
but I'm sure everything is like 10 times the size uh, in America, the buildings and that and the roads and the cars and, and the people too, probably. And then you go to the Olympia and, and then of course everybody's huge. Yeah. So I'll probably just be like a normal average dude that nobody will recognize. Yeah, be great. <laughs> you'll, you'll fit right in. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, fit right in, right. I'll jump into these questions. Uh, anybody on the live stream, if you want to ask any questions for the, uh, the show, feel free. I've got a bunch here and I've got a few from Instagram as well. Uh, just starting from the top, Eric says, um, how do I get my libido back uh, to when I did my first cycle? I've been blasting and cruising six years. Blood work shows everything is in range. My b- libido is just not as strong. How can I get that crazy libido back? There's nothing like that so first usually, cycle libido. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's like your first um, experience with the steroids, and in that case, usually you still have a good hormone balance between the estrogens and the DHEA, the pregnenolone, and all the intermediary hormones. So when you go and cycle the first time, those are still leveled and balanced. And then the longer you stay on, usually most cases, those neurosteroids and the other hormones they kind of start to taper off or go too high, like in the case of estradiol. So the longer you stay on, the more you need to manage your hormone levels. That's why I always tell people, you just don't go on testosterone or other injectables only. Maybe you need to add in a little bit of HCG or supplement DHA and pregnenolone, right? Or or carefully manage your estradiol level. So for that, you need to do blood work. Merrick Health, Evel in the UK, right? Those are good places to do blood work. Bria Labs here in Thailand. And... Then if your testosterone is going to be high, then needless to say, your estrogen, your DHEA, your pregnenolone should be high also. And then a lot of guys, they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm getting hair loss. I'm going to take finasteride and crush my DHT levels mm. so I don't go bald. Okay, now everything is high except the DHT. So you create a hormonal imbalance. Absolutely. So in the beginning, your hormone balance yeah, is still quite good. And then the longer you blast and cruise, the more you need to micromanage that. And if you use something like Trin in the meantime, where your body's just used to this dopaminergic signaling, and then you come off the Trin, now you've raised the threshold, Yeah. and, and maybe, you were mas- maybe you were masturbating frantically to obscure porn, and now you're, you're, the Trin is gone, and, you're, and the, the stimulus from the porn is not enough, and, and then your libido's kind of, you know, or your sensation is gone. That happens also with the guys that go on Trin. They, you know, they blister yeah. their privates. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that happens also yeah so it's you know you just sometimes you got to take a little bit of step back and, and and do your blood work and just get everything balanced out and and go back to a normal you know semi super physiological range for testosterone and the other hormones and then get used to that as well and then you might have to you know take the porn away stop scrolling through instagram you don't have to follow all these instagram models as tempting you don't have as to it look is at the commercials yeah right save your libido for the girl that matters yeah don't save don't 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 go on instagram and you're like scrolling the whole time and like oh wait a minute i gotta go to the bathroom and then you yeah. take care of business <laughs> maybe twice a day and then yeah your libido like how much sexual energy do you have over the day you know there's so many things you can look into yeah yeah it's interesting because i i had wanted to make sure i saved this question i sent it over to dave ahead of time and he had said he had said the same thing and and his thought was uh he said hcg was his thought but and, and i'll tell you what i've experienced this myself um you know over time I, I don't think that this is uncommon and and this is something that happened to me just earlier this year and what i ended up doing was 
I just took like a literal break. Like I came off a of TRT yeah. for about mm-hmm. two weeks. I figured to myself, like I couldn't get it managed. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. Two I'm not. Weeks. I'm not going any longer than that. I wanted to let the hormones come down. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then from there, yeah, start. You were at like two hundred. 200 for like half a day and then (laughs) i can't take it yeah you go right back but you're sensitized you know it's like it might have been like three carbohydrates yeah Yeah. flat and so that's when i started back up with uh with uh sub q shots the and i know you you had done that too but i i ended up finding though like that fixed things because i had spent like a month you know i looked at my labs every estrogen was a little bit high so then i'm thinking okay i'll get that under control everything will be good didn't change anything, you know. Then I'm thinking to myself, well, what else is this? And I'm playing around with DHEA and I'm trying these different things. And I thought to myself, you know what? Screw it. Let's just stop everything and kind of let everything come down. If I give it a couple of weeks, I know I'll be in a better place. And literally, that's all it took. Now, at the same time, I, I do have to say this that like we are not meant to feel the way we feel, uh, libido wise on that first cycle. And and there's a lot of things that we we get on that first cycle between strength and gains and it you know it's like a whole new world of discovery in this super physiological it's like state second, it's like your second puberty you know yeah. but you're a little bit older hopefully hopefully you don't combine hopefully. your puberty with your first cycle yeah yeah so i remember during puberty you know you're in the classroom and then suddenly you're you know your johnson wakes up and and, and like hey what's going on and you're like fuck that now bro yeah. And then, you know, in your first cycle, you get the same thing. You just get these spontaneous erections. And then if you're in a relationship, it's okay. If you work from home, it's okay. But yeah. if you're single and, and all you have is, you know, Pornhub, then yeah. <laughs> it's, a course, it's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. So you, you create some sort of false positive association with the, uh, the internet when you should be getting a positive association with your girlfriend or wife. I like this Chase Irons had said, and in the meantime, with low libido, be productive, start a business. You know, like you could do something yeah. else with your time. I I like, although, you know yeah. what? I will say this. When my uh, test is higher, I feel, you know, obviously better overall, but I'm definitely like more assertive and I get more shit done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. I agree. I remember when I was subclinical testosterone, I had zero libido. Yeah. And then... You're just kind of cruising along. You don't get angry. So it's good to do stuff that is a bit annoying because you're like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, more you're patience. Get, <laughs> yeah, you're more patient. You're more complacent. Your wife is complaining and you're like, yeah, that's fine. You know? Yeah. But of course, if you really want to be productive, okay, a nice level, a nice fat dose of testosterone goes a long way. Yeah. And then, yeah, but it, it is good if you don't have this super high libido. And you're not have to take care of business once or twice per day. Yeah, how many extra hours do you get for productivity? Yeah, you know? yeah. the same could be said for going to the gym. Ooh, how many no. extra hours? Yeah, it's painful. I know we're losing I, subscribers. I is this two hours? Is this your way to sabotage <laughs> the channel, Steve? Are you trying to get subscribers no, no. to leave right now? Okay, I made a joke. That was a, a very early <laughs> April Fool's joke. Gym first, business later. You know, and plus, if you go to the gym and you get big, you get sponsorships automatically. So it happens, yeah. And then you don't have to work. Yeah, anymore. it happens. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, ten k a month just to promote the protein. All right, I got one, another one here. Um, in this one, this is one that I have some experience with because he's talking about uh, topical 
finasteride. He says, I got a question. I'm going to hop on finasteride and minoxidil topical uh, with micro needling for the hairline currently off cycle with TRT. Wondering if there's any sides with anabolics I need to worry about or any drug interactions with popular anabolics that can happen with these products if I were to go back on cycle soon. And you know what? There's one thing. I think everything would apply so we can talk about, you know, topical finasteride, same as uh, with if you take it orally as far as those sides. So that's a topic for us. But I wanted to mention, too. So I started increasing the dose of my topical finasteride to see how far I could take it. I went from one milligram to uh, one and a half milligrams to two milligrams to two milligrams twice a day. And when I went to two milligrams oh. twice a day, topical, I got in a systemic effect. And that definitely okay. started yeah. crushing the libido. So some oh, level really? of it, okay. yeah, some level of it is getting absorbed. There's no question in my mind. But when I'm at one milligram, it's it, I don't notice that at all. So I, I, I wanted mean, to throw that those, out there. You have those transdermal creams, right? And and uh, I was in the process of making a transdermal winstrol, but I kind of failed. Ooh. So I'll keep trying <laughs> until, I, until I'm successful. But like nicotine patches, and, and there's a lot of stuff that you can absorb transdermally. So it's only a matter of dose. Yeah. So I think, you know, you find like an effective dose where you can rub the finasteride or dutasteride. I believe that dutasteride works a little bit better topically. Does it? And okay. you combine that with, yeah, you combine it with minoxidil. Now, I'm not sure how minoxidil is metabolized, but I do know that ketoconazole uh, inhibits some of the enzymes which metabolize dutasteride or finasteride. Hmm. So I know people that suffer from post-finasteride syndrome and have terrible libido functions, they keep using the ketoconazole yeah. to make sure that their hair keeps growing, but they're actually inhibiting the metabolism of the finasteride and the dutasteride. So they, they get this syndrome and this libido-reducing effect for longer. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's the case with a minoxidil because I haven't looked into that uh, yet. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, anything you take topically can be absorbed systemically, but it's just a matter of dose. So ideally, you keep track of your DHT levels before you start this protocol, see what your baseline is. Yeah. You run a protocol for a month and then see how much your DHT levels have been reduced. It's, it's very difficult to test for allopregnenolone which is a metabolite of progesterone, yeah. which is also inhibited. This metabolism is also inhibited by finasteride and dutasteride. So those are two markers you can check. They're all converted through 5-alpha reductase enzyme activity. And if you see that those levels drop, probably DHT, um, then you're taking too much. And it, it, it could also mean that you're better off taking RU3, whatever the number is, uh, to block the androgen receptor instead of taking finasteride and dutasteride and then combining that with ketoconazole or minoxidil to, you know, grow the, grow the hair back to a certain extent because microneedling is usually done to grow the hair back. Yeah. Well, so, that, yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not, not really an expert on this. I, I, I'm not a big fan of hair. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's why I got four nicked cats also. <laughs> You know, also, too, I would have to think that uh, topical or oral, I mean, you're going to get the same side effects because he asked about like interactions with drugs. You know, what about what right. about DECA? Mm -hmm. You know, that's I, I would have to think that if you yeah. use DECA, you're probably going to get mm -hmm. the same effect, at least at at the site, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, so so of course decanandrolone converts into dihydronandrolone, which is supposedly less potent than nandrolone itself. So if you take a 5-alpha-reductase inhibitor, you get less of the conversion and, and nandrolone stays more potent. Now people with selective hearing will say, okay, I really like my nandrolone. <laughs> and I don't want it to convert, so I'm going to combine it, <laughs> combine finasteride with nandrolone. There you that, go. That's a valid approach if you're if you're all about the gains. But if your cycle is like test, primo, masterone, proviron, and other DHT derivatives, then five alpha reductase enzyme inhibitors are not going to do anything because yeah. they're already five alpha reduced. So you'll still get the hair loss, and, and then you have to look into a topical androgen receptor blocker like yeah. minoxidil or RU, whatever the number is. You know? We got uh, Shoshana so. Crossland. Dave's wife is with us. Mm-hmm. So Dave's not oh, with okay. us, but his, his wife is here. She says she's going to come out to Thailand next year, and she hopes she gets to meet you. She called you a legend, actually. Of course. Of course we'll meet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure that you guys get treated royally. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll take you to the, uh, the the British pub. No, no. I'll take you to a nice Thai restaurant. <laughs> All right. See what else we got here. One from Daniel. He says, hey, guys, really enjoy the podcast. Dave's not with us. I wish you could hear this. He says, uh, Dave has helped me many times. Uh, the guy's honestly and incredible uh, is incredibly helpful always. Anyways, uh, this is something I often thought about. Not necessarily a serious question or anything. Um, from your experience across the board, what sports have you seen the most abuse of PEDs, like between strongman, powerlifting, and bodybuilding? Curious on your thoughts. And shout out to an Irish guy. So I, I haven't coached that many strongmen or powerlifters. Um, I, I would say that from what I've seen, those guys are really heavy on the orals. Yeah, especially at the end. But the most drug abuse out of those three, I would say bodybuilders. <laughs> You think, you think. <laughs> yeah, because like the arsenal of drugs that strongmen and powerlifters, like I, I feel that their drug literacy is not up to what the bodybuilders do. I was going to say because that, yeah. Our community, we're looking for every freaking edge we can find. Right. You know, we go into the water doping list and that's what I did. Yeah. Go through the water <laughs> doping list, look for drugs, see how they're metabolized, see if it has a benefit and then see if there's something similar that's not on the list and then we... Look at that. So there's so many funky drugs we can choose from. And we, like my protocols are like 20 compounds. You know, and you take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's mad complicated. And they all have synergy and and slight drug interactions and, and, and get the job done better. But the burden of each drug is quite low. Now, that's me and, and a couple other guys. But there's also something to say for mega dosing tests and just tests, which yeah. was one of my best cycles. But when I say mega dosing tests, I'm talking about 2,000 milligrams per week. It's a lot of tests. How long did yeah. you do that for? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just started building up the dosages oh, until okay. I started getting side effects. But even at, at 2,000 milligrams, <clears throat> I, I didn't get any side effect. My blood pressure was in range. My HDL and LDL was still good. My liver enzymes were acceptable. My blood work was probably the best really? out of any cycle that I've done. Yeah, huh. so I did one amp. For a month, and then two abs for a month, and then three abs, and then four or five, six, and then Sunday I took two. Or uh, yeah, so that's eight abs a week, and then I took a romacin and some GH and some insulin, and I was, and I was swole as fuck. I bet. Great. I Super bet strong. you were. Trade twice per day. Yeah, it was great. So, but you know, you tell a powerlifter that you're running two grams of tests, and he's like, 
I'm not sure about that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't I, know, man. I think, like, I've I've seen so many, so many strong, and I think, you know, you hit it on the head. You used a great word was like drug literacy. I've seen mm-hmm. just a lot of really using a hammer to get the job done, no matter, no matter yeah. what tool was required in powerlifting, in strongman. And then I've seen a lot of guys who are bigger that have said like, you know, well, I'm a big guy, so I need a lot more. You know, especially yeah, like, yeah, like 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 you yeah. said, the orals. You know, I've seen some crazy, yeah. like the the dose of orals the day of a, um, a meet is. I've heard it being said like, "Well, how many tablets do you have left?" You know, <laughs> that's the that's the dose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have to make weight, and then it's like five hundred milligrams of anadrol per day. You know, and I'm like, how are yeah. you not bleeding through every you know vein in your in your face, which they usually are. You know, sometimes they get yeah. bleeds and. But then again, they lift serious weights, you know, not not weights that we bodybuilders lift. They and lift some actual weights. What about this? Now, the, they're also drinking a case of beer through the day on that day. I, I wonder oh, really? how. Oh, yeah. I've seen that kind of, you know, <laughs> oh, eating no, pizzas and all that. So I oh, feel right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. overall our health, it may, would it, would our health be better? Let me post it as a question. Would our health be better using high compounds because would it be offset because of the fact that we are generally like quote eating clean, doing a lot of cardio, staying lean, you know, I wonder. Yeah. But are we though? Like we, we've got those one or two binge weeks post contest and then everybody gets mad edema. Yeah. You know, that can't be good ankles and you can't, yeah, it can't be good for the heart. So I think we're all kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and we all are crazy in our own rights, you know. Like you don't see bodybuilders walking around with like, you know, astronomical zits that are ready to explode. That's usually the the powerlifters and the strongmen, you know. Yeah. And whether that's from all the chalk on their back or or just poor eating habits, it, it doesn't look too appealing, you know, having a like back knee and and you know boilers on your face. So I, I rarely see that with bodybuilders, but then what I what I see with bodybuilders are, you know, ingrown hairs on the hamstrings. Yeah, those big black, the powerlifters don't have that. So that's just topical, and then and you know we have all kinds of gyno and other issues. So I don't think it's healthy in any way, shape, or form. But and we it, have and it's very extreme. But if you, we if have, you want to be the best, that's kind of what required. What about we do a lot more fat burners, thyroid stuff? Like they're not yeah, doing all absolutely. those things. So that's like a whole other absolutely. category of abuse, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, and, and um, how many people take then Adderall, you know, to suppress their appetite? And so that's an amphetamine, a clenbuterol, and or injectable ephedrine, which is very popular over here. I never did that um, one. In, in the, it's great. Yeah, I never, I never had <laughs> access to it. Uh, yeah, injectable uh, ephedrine. I'll, I'll sit. I'll send huh. you in the right direction. No, I, I'm good. I'm good. In, it's very popular in Korea. They produce it? their pharmaceutical grade injectable ephedrine. Yeah, damn. It's uh, it's something else. How do you how do you Four dose hours, that? Uh, half a cc, so that's twenty milligrams. Okay, so about so the cute. same, about the same as you would with with uh, the oral. Yeah, huh. but this this works acute. So people combine it with carnitine and then a little bit of growth hormone and then some injectable ephedrine to do their cardio and then uh, get some work done. Then they crash. They yeah. sleep and then the second dose is later in the day before a workout same protocol and they um yeah they have awesome workouts and then they crash again you know after the post-workout meal hopefully they can get a meal in with their insulin shot and then yeah 
Yeah, so now you already hear how complicated and drug abusive the bodybuilding stuff is. I would take this at this time, and this at that time, and then uh, on Saturday I take a little bit more of this because it's leg day. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then I go have my refit. So it's I think that the further you get in your sports, the more complicated it gets. Agree. And um, you know, but you know, recreational lifters they just take their you know test D ball and Andrelon, yeah. or test trend and Masteron, and then you know. Then they're usually good. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. Probably none of it's safe across the board, you know. No. Let's see what else we got here, and I'm still thinking about that. I think here's the thing: my window has passed. I'm getting too old to be messing around with new injectable yeah. stimulants. You know what I'm saying? That's that's yeah, the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there, done that. I, it's uh, it's fun, but you know, is it the will it move the needle in your physique? Probably not. Yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, that being said, I would say that cycling is probably the most drug abusive sport out there. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too, man. I mean, like widely. Oh Plus, God. dude, with all that blood doping stuff, man, that's scary. Yeah. The idea of taking a pint of blood out and then putting it back mm -hmm. in later—I mean, poof, yeah. that's an accident waiting to happen. No, and, and and they use plasma expanders as well, and then of course EPO and then the hyperbaric chambers and uh, you know all these designer drugs that are not on the doping list yet because they get scrutinized, you know, with drug testing in season, out of season on the day of the competition. And yeah, it's at these real high level sports at the Olympics or, you know, tour de France level. It's, it's crazy, dude. I, I do consultations with these guys. It's very interesting. I've worked with an ex ex cyclist. He was a professional cyclist. Yeah. He retired from that. He wanted to keep doing stuff. And, um, as a bodybuilder, he was not wired right. I mean, not in a bad way. That's not talking yeah. shit about him. I was very proud of the yeah. hard work he put in, but he was doing mm -hmm. like some insane stuff and like his cardio ability was just like off yeah. the charts, man. Yeah. No, it's great that they're very used to pushing themselves out to the brink of uh, yeah. you know, capacity. But if for bodybuilding, you need to hold back a little bit because you just go catabolic. Yeah. You know? So it's, you can't, you can't, that's why these racers are very lanky and, and, and and lean and, and light. Whereas yeah. bodybuilders, you want to be the opposite. You want to be bulky and heavy and huge. And for that, you need maximum intensity, but only for a limited amount of sets. Because otherwise, yeah. you just burn away all the progress that you made. You know, and, right. and not everybody can eat six thousand calories to keep up with it. You know, <laughs> right? All right, I got a good one here. This is a perfect one for you. Um, all right. Also, another one. Um, it's a recent drug. I have experience with it and can say it's so much more powerful. What have you heard or experienced between semaglutide or, and I don't know this drug. This is another, uh, GLP. Tri how yep. do you say that? Trisepidide. Trisepidide. Okay. What are the- Manjaro from Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay. Um, way to he says it was over the counter here. So I'm like, why not? He tried it over the why counter not? wherever he was. Yeah, yeah, I think it's in Italy and Spain. It's over the counter now. So um, semaglutide is a GLP-1 receptor agonist, glucagon-like peptide-1 receptor agonist. It blunts appetite by um, reducing gastric emptying and gastric inhibitory peptide uh, that terzipidide also works on. Um, also reduces gastric emptying and also the digestion process. Now, GLP-1 receptor agonists also help with a little bit of insulin secretion. Now, people are scared 
So if I'm going to release insulin, am I going to get, you know, go hypo like right. with insulin, which is not the case at all. I've used these GLP-1s when I was fasting, eating no food. Yes, don't worry, you don't lose any muscle mass if you've been training for a while. So you take this, you don't eat, you drop a ton of fat, you're not hungry, you're still able to work, and um, your blood sugar levels stay completely normal. So I check my glucose levels multiple times and it's, there's no change. So it only secretes insulin in the presence of glucose. Hmm. So if you're not so getting any needed. glucose in or reduce, yeah, you don't need it or reduce the amount of glucose, then, then you secrete less. So this is how it works. This is why it's a diabetic medication. The reduction in appetite is a side effect, which is the reason why we all take it. But um, it's actually just a pre-diabetic medication, so people digest their food slower, similar to how metformin works, dispose of some of the glucose that way, and with the extra insulin release from the pancreas, they get better glucose homeostasis and, and not these super high glucose levels in the blood. So, terzepidide works on both GLP-1 and GAP, gastric inhibitory polypeptide, okay. and you get even more um, appetite reduction of that. Now, both huh. of these don't come close to close to tesofensine, but that is in selective. Man, it's not an SSRI, but another version of that. So that kills your appetite. Yeah, I haven't tried it myself, but I know people that used it, and that's you know that's a way more potent potent appetite reduction tool that doesn't mess with your digestion, doesn't change your um, insulin secretion. So if you combine terzepidite with tesofensine, you basically don't want to eat. And then you really have to force yourself. So for all the guys that, you know, four weeks into the show, they start cheating on their diet, these are some very powerful tools you can incorporate. Just keep in mind that tesofensine and terzepidite are mad expensive. Yeah. When you start looking at the cost, you have limited finances, then you're like, okay, I can get six kits of growth yeah. or one pen <laughs> of... Semiglutide. Yeah. You know, I, you know there's so something. Sounds, so this is something that I haven't experimented with yet. Um, I mean, my wife has talked about using it uh, for different purposes. She uses it herself, though. And so it's. Uh, uh, I've been familiar with semiglutide for a few years in that context. Mm -hmm. And I've seen right. what she's dealt with with appetite reduction. And I understand that it does slow gastric emptying. So a lot of times... As a coach in bodybuilding, I like to speed uh, digestion up. Part of my goal is yeah. to get the metabolism. Mm -hmm. So I guess this is what I'm getting at, and I wanted to ask you your thoughts on it. I want to get mm -hmm. that metabolism revving so that when we throw food at it, the way I almost, the way I picture it in my head is that we're building a fire, you know, and we're starting out with those little yeah. sticks, uh -huh. and we get that motherfucker blazing, and by the end. Yeah. We can just throw pallets on it and it, they just get incinerated. But if you were to say use Ozempic, you know, semaglutide into a show, how does that affect everything leading in? Because like I said, I want to get people incinerating food uh, right. and that's part of my process to get them absolutely peeled and get them full and dry and hard, get their stomach exactly, flat, all yeah, that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Plus, plus the real bodybuilders, they don't mind suffering. It's because these drugs are new and, you know whatever be used to reduce appetite besides, you know, modafinil, Adderall, and other stimulants, you know, maybe some wheat here and there. Some people respond it, well to that. Mine has been mind appetite. power. 
That's been my my tool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's right. real old yeah, school. Yeah. I know, but I look at it yeah. as not as I should be right. Yeah, I've so, looked at it though as so like, yeah, you just have to you have to accept the hunger, and from right. once you can find that acceptance, like that's the biggest battle for me and a lot of people, I think, in prep. But yeah, that's another conversation. I think I think it's also because you had AA, right? So you're a little bit more mentally tough. Yeah, uh, compared maybe. to some people, <laughs> I, I think uh, I see that like with with um, Antoine Foliant. Like yeah. he, you know, he had his battles with addiction, and then he went to some of these meetings, and he's got a sponsor and everything. And he's, I mean, his compliance is phenomenal. Whereas before, he didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. He was always a little bit soggy and soft in in the lower back, and but now he's shredded. It's cool all, to see that, over. isn't it? Yeah, it's very, it's very cool. So, you know, so let's say for the competitors, what yeah. I would do is you build that fire, right? You get their metabolism sped up, but there comes a point in time for most of the competitors out there that you still need to cut calories back. Now, there's not so many guys out there that you can just load up into a show. It's that, from my experience, it's rare. Or maybe I'm a shit coach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do it let's wrong. be honest, you know. Yeah, you're doing it wrong, right? Maybe, maybe I should have added a little bit more thyroid meds. Um, you know, so there's there's so many ways to dial somebody in for a show, right? Depending right. on what they're doing, how how much volume they can handle. Like some guys do high volume and they don't really train to failure, so they burn through more through their calories. So there's so much that goes into it. Some guys do cardios for hours and they walk their dog and their legs don't shrink. If anything, their calves get bigger. Yeah. You know, and their glutes get tighter. So it, it really depends on the client. So let's say you have a client that really needs to cut back at the end. Yeah. And they have a hard time with compliance. And and on those low days, if you do carb cycling, okay, a little bit of leoglutide on the day, get your appetite down, you know. And if you have a, a low week, maybe semi-glutide, one to two milligrams, or, or dulaglutide, which is like an intermediary acting uh, GLP-1. And, and some guys, you really need to suck it down, like, you know, like Big Rami or um, what is it called? The Brooklyn Beast, uh, that super big black guy that always did that suffer downwards. Oh, yeah, right. from, uh, what's his name? I, I, I'm picturing him, but yeah, I'll, I'll remember. Yeah, right. Or somebody yeah, else sure in the live stream will remember too. We, yeah, yeah, we'll post it in the comment section. He's got huge lats and he's made it to the top five for the Olympia. But had a hard apparently time with his low back, be, right? Yeah, lower back, right? So he apparently also had to suck down yeah. and not eat so much food at the end. So for those guys that might be eating a little bit more than they're supposed to, something like this could help a lot. But yeah. for the guys that can go into the show and load up and eat, 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 and get leaner and leaner and leaner, like a Nathan Diasha, for example, he doesn't need that stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe after the show so he doesn't overeat. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. The right yeah. tool for the so, right person. So, Just like metformin. I wouldn't use metformin with everybody, yeah. but it could really come in advantage with some people. Yeah, exactly. And, and it depends on your insulin-sensitive state and, and how much cardio you're doing and what you're eating, you know, like – if you're eating a lot of cream of rice, it might be more beneficial than comparing that to a guy that eats a lot of sweet potatoes. They get slow gastric emptying anyway. Yeah, yeah. So all the all these little factors play into it. And uh, I, I personally, I do very well with leoglutide. Yeah. And I can still grow, but my appetite is under control. So I don't, it's not a distraction hmm. when I try to diet. Yeah. Which is hmm. the worst thing for me. I'm thinking about food when I should be thinking about working. I'm in a you good know. place when I'm thinking about food because I generally don't. And yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, there's people out there that could eat more and people out there that could eat less. Mm -hmm. I'm a person that could eat less. And I usually oh, really? have found that I, I end up eating 
more consistently better qualities of protein, mm-hmm. more protein through the day when I am mm-hmm. actually trying to lose fat. So I usually get like a nice recomp effect when I try to get in shape. Uh, right. It's always been beneficial right. for me, but yeah, I'm I can see. Hungry, Are you? I'm always I'm always hungry. It's annoying as hell. Did you guys have big portions as a kid? Like, were you raised eating a lot yeah. of food? Yeah. And all, all carbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my mom write, wrote down the diet that she wrote for me, um, you know, when I was like a, t- a kid, like one or two years old. I have a diet laying here somewhere. It's literally all carbs. It's like yeah. oatmeal, uh, applesauce, apple, banana, bread, uh, bread with, uh, you know, the chocolate on it or, or, or coca, I don't know, cocoa, uh, coconut shavings, yeah. sweetened. Carbs, 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 carbs. And I was horribly sick for my most of my youth. Really? Because all I ate was processed carbs, and I didn't know any better until I was 15. And then I started going to the gym and started changing my diet, and then everything changed. No kidding. So, yeah. So I had to kind of figure it out myself. But, you know, when you're exposed to that as a young kid, which many kids are, because their parents don't know, you know, we would eat, like, you know, you you go to the grocery store, you get some – cookies or something you eat the whole bag right it was just normal for us okay so i i still have this like if i have a portion i eat the whole portion even if it's too much yeah okay so so i was raised the opposite which it makes total sense mm -hmm. you know i was raised the opposite that i i ate small my parents had me eating small portions and they like kept the sodium low and it was real clean food you know it was like basically bodybuilding food but at very small portions i I like to ask people that like nick walker a lot like you like his family you know they just were his mom was always feeding him he said his you know his family was always eating well you can see when you when you see his family if you were to see my family you were be like oh steve's one of the smallest ones yeah okay Yeah, they're all, uh, man, Christmas dinners, I do miss those because that was a lot of food, man. Wow. That's like yeah. the whole table. Yeah, yeah, full with, man, good old days. But yeah, I can eat. I can put some food away. It's um, it's good for buffets, but it's not good for body composition. I bet. That's why I'm so worried when I go to Vegas because, you know, I'm, I heard the portions are huge there. So I really got to, so, so I'll give the spoiler alert. I'll be injecting Ozempic. Yes, there you go. <laughs> two milligrams before I leave because otherwise I won't be able to control myself. Perfect. You got a plan. You yeah. Got a plan. Yeah. So if I appear a little bit nauseous, then uh, then you know what's going on. All right. <laughs> I don't know if Chase Irons is still with us. I know he's a big homebrew guy. He's helped a lot of people out yeah. with this stuff. He's the um, king of homebrew, guys. Question. Sign up to his private email. Yes. Yeah. He's the guy to ask about that stuff if you want to get into it. Question for the next podcast. Thoughts on home brewing. Um, After doing more than two years of research on anabolics before jumping on my first cycle, my hardest decision was where to acquire gear. Uh, taking into consideration price, quality, and risk, I just decided to brew my own. Figured I would be my own quality control. Reason I have decided not to go pharmaceutical is because after two consultations with TRT clinics, it was clear to me these people were just trying to make money. Some uh, yeah. from some of my basic questions seemed to be seemed to have less of an understanding of hormones and blood work than I did. Is home brewing sustainable? Should I send each batch out for testing? And theoretically, if for some 
uh, ungodly reason, uh, the fuzz found 50 grams of white powder in my possession. Am I going down like a drug dealer? God, this all sounds shady as I type it out. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Chase is still with us. Yeah, so if you want to keep your powder in the house, keep it next to the toilet so you can flush it on the first sign of trouble. Um yeah, just have it open. No, 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 don't keep it open, but yeah. store it somewhere close where you can dispose of it right away. Yeah, or keep it safe somewhere behind, uh, I don't know, something that the police will never be able to. Uh, or or move to a non-steroid phobic country like Thailand, where you can just buy shit at the pharmacy, and it's pharmaceutical grade, and it's pretty affordable. Regarding the TRT clinics, there are a couple good clinics out there, like... Like your guy, Merrick. Merrick. Merrick and Evel. Yeah, so those guys didn't know. Well, Dave doesn't know, do TRT. Dave doesn't do TRT. Oh, they don't do TRT? No, no, no. no. They right. just do lab work because labs are hard to get in no, the UK. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. So Merrick Health does offer TRT under guidance. And if you qualify, then there's very good patient care coordinators there who can help you through that process. And uh, their, their products are uh, on point. So with that being said, if you want to go homebrew, by all means, get your hands dirty. Um, but you face the same issue as the underground labs face. Sure. Is sterility and, and, and sourcing your raws for high quality. Now, there are good sources for raws out there. Chase Irons knows all of them. Chase Chase has all the raw sources. I know he does. And uh, I asked him for advice also. And, and once you get in with those guys and you get the proper brewing equipment... Then yeah, instead of making yourself a pizza pie, you make yourself a trimbaloni sandwich <laughs> at, at the concentration that you want. Yeah. So I have some homebrew here at home, Masterone Inethate, okay. 250 milligrams, okay. 250 per one milliliter. Nice. In grapeseed oil. No okay. benzoyl alcohol, no benzoyl benzoate, no ethyl oleate, just pure drostanolone inethate in grapeseed oil. Nice. It's smooth AF. Yeah. Smooth AF. Okay. Smoother than the Bayer Testifier and the Bayer Prima Bolin that I take because it's easier to inject. Yeah. Because it's those are in castor oil. They're thick as fuck. So I just swore. Okay, there goes your monetization. It's all right. We, we do that from time to time here. It's all right. <laughs> it happens, right? So, um, you so should if hear, you go with home brewing. You should hear Ron and Dusty if you want to hear swearing. And, and we get away yeah, with it most know, of the time. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just set, like the, the when you do the... You know, the rating at like the maximum profanity, the yeah. third one from the top. Yeah. So you <laughs> limited, limited monetization. <laughs> no views, 500 in a day. Right. Um, so if you, if you go with home brewing, just make sure you do that in a sterile environment and have all of the equipment available before you get started. Because like when I started compounding my own windstroll in a DMSO um, and, and using some other carriers, I didn't have anything, everything readily available. I didn't have a proper burner. I didn't have something to heat it up. I didn't have proper sterilization. So I had to source that slowly. So over the course of three months, things slowly started to arrive. And then, you know, the, the powder has been opened for a while. So it collects a little bit of moisture. And so I, I probably have to throw mm. a decent amount away. But yeah, then again, it was a fun experiment. And, and, and the guy that homebrews the, the Mastron for me, he's very good at what he does. So I think with experience or with time, a lot of experience comes. And, and the more you do it, the better you get at it. You know, make sure you filter everything with a micron filter. So you take all those pollutants out. 
You know, I, I will say it is an interesting sport that we get involved in, you know, because he said, you know, he's he's been doing this. He's been bodybuilding. He's been lifting weights. He's been eating. And then he wants to get into the gear side of things. It literally is an entire additional preoccupation that has nothing oh, yeah. to do with growing muscle, trying to find out who to connect to, trying to find out what's yeah. good. All of that. It can be like a full time thing. I will say this. Start over. Yeah, it, I would say that be careful because I do feel that it can become a trap getting so inundated in the how the hormones work and how things all that stuff. It's important. Don't get me wrong. It's important. But don't forget where you came from and don't forget what the foundations are in that process. We only have yeah, we only have so much time in the day. You know what I'm saying? And 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 we can right. only dedicate so much time to like learning new stuff. And I say that out of my own personal experience because uh, there was probably a 5-year period that I was hyper focused in my cycles were it, like I was looking at how these esters worked and I was combining things in certain ways to the point where nowadays I'm a lot I mean, I still understand that stuff and I appreciate the benefits, but some of the things that I thought were important 10 years ago to me today aren't as important. You know what I mean? And, and, and then maybe it's just a matter of coming full circle, but I realized after a while you realize like, oh, well, I guess I didn't really need to do all this extra stuff. I can keep it <laughs> yeah, simple, yeah, yeah. Scott. And you that's, know what I mean? But that's, that's very true. I, I think as bodybuilders, we love the minutia. Yeah, we do. And, and. And and I, I I sure love my minutia, man. I mean, I, my whole channel is built on minutia. <laughs> yes, it, it, it is. Isn't yeah, it? I'll be honest. It, it is. is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's important. How though. to get the most out of your oral steroids? Okay, take them sublingually and wash it down with grapefruit juice. And the grapefruit juice inhibits the CYP3A4 enzymes, and your steroids are no longer metabolized. When in reality, when I took my Anvar cycle the first time, and I went to the gym, and I didn't know any better, <laughs> it still worked. Fucking greens. <laughs> yeah. it was, it's still going to work. <laughs> and I still, I, I've, my diet hasn't changed much, you know, I was still eating the same ketogenic foods. So, yeah, you know, the foundation has to be there. And then, you know, as, as, as much of a broken record as it sounds, you know, the, the steroids are cherry on top. But for a guy like me that is on YouTube actively talking about it, yeah, the minutia matters because that's how you get people engaged. But I think the steroid community right now, the people in the bodybuilding community, we know too much about steroids <laughs> that, and, and, and pharmacology that we start arguing amongst each other because yeah. there's so many studies to read and yeah. so many different, so, that's not true. Steve doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, I, I, this study from 1978 says this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but the, the, the experience still uh, matters. A I agree. Bit. Yeah, I agree. And, 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 yeah, and I'd rather listen, you know, listen to Skip. He's like hands-on and He's a professional drug user. Yeah. And I get all my information from Skip, you know. So if Skip says use the super comp compensation agent for skip loading, <laughs> then, I, then, I'll, then I'll go to Google, what is a super compensation agent? Oh, oh, oh. oh insulin. All right. Yeah. 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 Was it insulin? Yeah. I thought it was metformin. No wonder I was so bloated. <laughs> Thanks, Skip. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's since has said that a, a bunch of times, but he was like, you know, the elite FTS. So well, elite FTS, yeah. they had a, uh, and they still do this do to this day. They have a, mm -hmm. a thing where you're not allowed to specifically mention any drugs in their writing uh -huh. on the website and stuff. So he had to kind of dance around that a little bit. Is what it came down to. It's such a shame. YouTube is a free for all right now. It really is. Uh, isn't I would it? have. 
I would have expected my channel to be shut down a long time ago. But my <laughs> disclaimer is uh, is lengthy and and so far so good. Yeah, you knock know? on for yeah. Micah. Yeah, yeah, knock, knock on knock on MDF. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, I'm going to see what else we got here. We have enough time on this episode for one more. Uh, so we need a, we need yes. a, we need a good one here. Let me see uh, here. Please let it be about drugs. Yeah, we got a bunch of them about drugs. You know what? We were just talking about Primo. Uh, how about we'll just, it's a simple question, but I think it's a good one. Hey guys, would the PIP from Primo indicate that it may simply be test probe? Do you want the short answer or the long answer? Oh, lay it out, man. We want to hear the minutia yeah, on this okay. channel. The minutia. Okay. <laughs> so, so when you look at the, the solvency of no. <laughs> um, so it, if it's underground labs, it could be the carrier oil. It could be brewed at a too high concentration. So that beautiful 200 milligram per one milliliter Primo. That, that's sweet. It sounds so appealing on paper. You're like, oh, I want to run a gram of Primo, but I yeah. don't want to inject 10 milliliters. So I'm going to go with the double concentration one and only inject five milliliters. Save myself a lot of headache. And then you get crippling post-injection pain because yeah. Primo only holds at 100 milligrams per one milliliter in pharmaceutical settings. So why are we going with an underground lab that has ethyl oleate or glycol or polyethylene glycol or monoethylene glycol, even worse, propylene glycol uh, inside to increase the solvency. And that's where all the post-injection pain is coming from. So that could be uh, from the carrier oil. It could be that during the brewing process would happen sometimes, but it usually happens with cystinone. So they, they get like a pre-packed cystinone, four different testosterone esters. Right. So you got your test probe and isocoprinate and uh, the, the, the other two. I forgot. Anyway, so they're all together, but they all have different um, uh, melting points. So they, they, they melt this blend of four testosterone esters at the highest melting point to get it all in solution. But it also means that the test probe or test phenylpropionate might separate. So now you get a small amount of suspension. You get test and the propionate ester separately so you have test suspension and propionate floating around yeah this is the the, the the melting was too high temperature so this is where some of the post-injection pain comes from you you get this with test probe as well and then of course test probe at higher concentrations you know if it metabolizes away at the injection site at a high high rate through the carboxyl esterases which metabolize the uh, esters from the testosterone molecules then it feels like suspension as well. Ideally, you want to, these, these molecules to absorb slowly, go into the bloodstream, get metabolized in the red blood cells or the liver or other peripheral tissue, and then start acting locally. So you don't want too much of a localized effect, and, and you get that from a higher concentration or from the, um, the carrier oil. So post-injection pain is usually a sign that your gear is uh, not brewed correctly, yeah, I've never gotten post-injection pain from pharmaceutical cystinone or decadurbolin or, or Primo or testosterone or, or you know, I have pretty much everything. That's I have Sustanon, Sustanon especially, yeah. um, Omnidrin. Redijects? No, no, no. I can't remember what brand it was, but, it, you know, in defense of the Sustanon, it was my literal first shot ever. 
I, oh, yeah, you could hurt your muscle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I couldn't walk. It felt like I got hit with a baseball bat in the glute, you know. Oh, my man. whole leg was Good basically times. paralyzed. But going back to Omnidrins later, I had the, the same thing with the Omnos, too. Uh, so right. I, I have had it, you know, but we all, it goes to show too, we all uh, respond differently. You'll take, you'll take like just a standard testee that's 250, one guy or a handful of guys do great with it. And then one guy comes along and he can't walk, you know. Let me check real quick if I have the carrier oils listed on my website, <clears throat> because I, one day I got upset and then I went through all the pharmaceutical testosterone uh, formulations. Yeah. Yeah. Slash C-reactive protein carrier oils within pharmaceuticals. Ooh. It's uh, it's easy to find. There are listed all the pharmaceuticals I could find and their carrier oils. Send me that so link really quick. Can you do that? Omnidrain is not in there, but where where on WhatsApp? Yeah, yeah. Just send that over to me. I I can right. pull it up too. There you go. All right. Omnidrain is not in there in that list, um, <clears throat> but I got literally basically everything listed. With their carrier oils, including the third world pharmaceuticals that are registered in one country but not others. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, this this is great. Look at this guy. This is cool, man. Yeah. So I got so upset by this information not being available, and I'm sure it's still not complete. So you go, yeah, scroll down. You have like the the concentrations and then the reasons why c-reactive protein might be elevated which i mentioned in the in the podcast with uh, dr scott stevenson and the yeah. dynamic viscosity ratings um so you can see why castor oil is a very high dynamic viscosity rating so it takes way longer to absorb you know hmm. so right and then benzoyl benzoate and you know the other solvents and all this micleal stuff yeah i don't know so totally fine. mct is unknown huh yeah, I couldn't find it. I mean, this this article is maybe a year old, so maybe it's already out there. Um, and of course, corn oil and, and soybean oil, nobody uses as a, or hopefully, yeah. nobody uses as a carrier oil. But I just wanted to put them in there for reference. Um, MCT so you go is down my here and then you, I like MCT. That's my yeah, MCT is, MCT is very nice. Yeah, MCT is nice. So anybody brewing an MCT, it's probably the easiest way to inject. Everything can be done with a slim pin. And yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I wasn't able to find anybody here that knows how to brew MCT. Ah. So I get grapeseed. Yeah, I get grapeseed oil, which is fine. I do. I've never done uh, so you see peach oil. How's that? Uh, peach oil is. I, I've never used. Well, I've used Balkan one time, but I think that was fake. Ah. I got a horrible post injection pain, so I, I I survived two ampules, and this is literally on my second cycle. So okay, maybe they've uh, cleaned up their act, and, and Balkan has a lot of fakes out there, from what I understand. True, true. Huh. So here you see when you go down to the synthetic carrier oils with pharmaceutical grade steroid formulations, you see that here in Thailand they have March Pharmaceuticals, yeah, Tespropionate and TP Drugs, Testalic and Cipionate. They they blend in ethyl oleate. Which uh, is not FDA approved in the Western world, except yeah. for Spain. Uh, not in America, not anywhere else. But here in Thailand, it somehow passed. No and kidding. There's actually two or three other. Yeah, there's two or three other injectables that they use. Hmm. Um, so that's why a lot of people get issues with these products. Not everybody. Some people respond to it fine. Yeah. But I remember, you know, talking to some of the foreigners that came here. So yeah, I got pharmaceutical test probe. Yeah. You know, which is rare. It's not, yeah. not so many brands out there, and then. After a while, the inflammatory markers just skyrocket, you know? 
Yeah. So yeah. All, the, all these little things you have to think about. So post-injection pain is just an early indication that something is going wrong. And, uh, you know, a one-off is okay. You know, if you get some redness, some, some pip, you know, a little bit of a lump. Okay, one time it happens. You know, you even get that with pharmaceutical grades. But if you get it repeatedly, you know, respect your body, throw it into trash and source something else. Or start homebrewing so you can control all the variables. Yes, <clears throat> if you, you know? got that, yeah. If you've got the time, you want to put that uh, information or put that information together. But listen, we are out of time for this episode, Steve. I appreciate you coming on and hanging out. Um, you know, you're you're probably not putting out a lot of stuff right now because you're getting ready to leave for vacation. But yeah. I assume when yeah. you get back, you're probably going to hit it hard. I'm guessing. I, I got a whole list of uh, topics. I just I, I started preparing for a DHA impregnant deep dive. Oh, it takes days. To go through all the, yeah, I got, I got so much work to do. So hopefully I'll I'll get better better schedule soon. But I still released a couple of videos here and there. Yeah, oh, yeah maybe one yeah. a week. I've been following yeah. along. We appreciate uh, you know the mentions you've given us, man. Uh, you know it's awesome, yeah. dude. We really appreciate it very much. Thank you. I watch everything on your channel, so that's the least I can do. All right, guys. If you want to hear more from Vigorous Steve, I'll link him below. Plus, you can go to vigorousteve.com. That's a website, right? Check that out. And of course, go to our great sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK, supplementsource.ca. If you're in Canada, they have great deals. They change week to week. Strom Sports Nutrition, check them out if you're in the UK. And uh, evalbloodanalysis.com. Thank you very much to all of our Patreons. We appreciate you guys for helping to support the show. Reach out to me at McNallyDiets at gmail.com. I'd be happy to talk to you about coaching. We will see you soon. Thanks, Steve. Peace out.